0: Welcome to Awaken Podcast. I hope you enjoy the teaching. Well, welcome everybody. If we have not met, my name is Micah. I'm the lead pastor here at Awaken, and really glad you're here. Um, If you're new to Awaken, especially uh, thankful and glad we recognize that it's no small feat to come to a church for the first time. Um, So I hope that you feel welcome Um, We'd love to know that you were here. Michaela said it earlier, but there's cards on the table, and if you want to put those in the black boxes uh, at each of the exits, we would love to get to know you, take you out for coffee, uh, and hear a little bit about your story. So um, if you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to turn to Hebrews chapter 4. We're in a series on the book of Hebrews. And before we do that, or as you make your way there, I want to clear up something that I said last week. Uh, In listening back and hearing some feedback, I recognize that I tried to communicate something that I'm not sure came out as well as I intended it to or as clear as I intended it to. And so, uh, you know, this is a place of grace, right? (laughs) So we're going to try again, just uh, on that one. Uh, I talked about Sabbath last week and the importance of rest. And I invited you all to consider taking a day uh, and setting aside and resting, to actually stop doing and stop creating, but to, to be instead of do. And as I did that, I also asked if you would give me a gift uh, to my family. And, and, and again, I'm not sure I did the best communicating that. I think at one point I said, don't die on a Friday. <laughs> Friday's my day off. And uh, that was immature, and maybe Cavalier, and I apologize for that. Um, Here's my heart. Here's why I said what I said. I remember sitting in a park with 25 people when we started Awaken, and I said to them, those that were there, if it ever comes to the point where I have to choose, and I mean really choose, between my family and this church, you lose. And what I mean by that and what I meant by that is this. I do not want to be another pastor who sacrifices my family and my marriage and my kids on the altar of this church for the sake of Jesus. I don't want to be that person, and I don't think you want me to be that person. Um, We've seen that done before, many of us, and it is sad, and I think it's sin, and I don't want to do it. And so I asked you to give me a gift to help protect the days that I'm trying to set aside to do Sabbath, to live into this thing. I preached about Sabbath because I believe it's true. I believe it is the best possible way to live where we actually believe that grace and gift is not a carrot on the end of a stick but actually a reflection of God's heart. That grace and gift come first. That rest is where we begin and we work from a place of rest. And so my ask last week was to help me protect that I'm a doer, I'm a fixer. When my phone rings, if I'm being honest, I want to be needed. (laughs) And I'm very tempted to always answer it. And I'm very tempted when a text comes in to pick it up and read it. And so what I was trying to communicate last week was, if you would please help me to protect that, to give that gift to my kids and to my wife and my family and myself. Now having said that, I'm your pastor. And I love you. And if there is a crisis or there is an emergency or there is some point, at, uh, some point in time when you need a pastor from this church to come alongside of you, if it is in my power to do so, I want to be there. Is that better? <laughs> uh, we're trying to... F- w- somebody asked, like, okay, if you turn your phone off on a Friday, then, like, that's cool, but, like, who do we actually call then? That's a great question because my phone is also the church phone. So you, we've we've begun conversations as an advisory team to like how do we actually do this. Um, so again, we're in process and we uh, we appreciate grace as we figure this out. Uh, this church is um, it's growing a little bit here and there, and so we're trying to trying to grow with it. So thanks for that. Is that are we are we good? Are we good? Okay, cool. Hebrews chapter four, friends, uh, stand if you will, verses. 12 through 14 say this For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. Nothing in creation is hidden from God's sight, everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account pray with me god as we gather this morning in this space we recognize that it's not holy because it's beautiful it's not holy because there are crosses it's not holy because there's stained glass but it's holy because you are here god every square inch of your good creation is your domain if we don't sing the rocks will cry out you say And so we gather today because we need you. Because uh, we enjoy and drink in the gift of community and fellowship. And God, I pray that as we study and as we open up this scripture, that you would speak to us. Uh, That you would give us the eyes to see you and the ears to hear you. And that whatever it is that we need this morning, God, if it's encouragement that we would get it, if it's challenge that we would get it, If it's hope that we would get it. So God, be to us what we need, we pray. And all God's people said. Amen. You can have a seat. So friends, this is a conversation about the word of God. Uh, I'm guessing, if I were to pull the room, that this passage in the Bible is probably pretty familiar to many of you, if you've been around the church for any length of time. I remember uh, some of my earliest memories about the Bible, um, sword drills. Anybody ever remember sword drills? Yeah, we're going to do that right now. No, I'm totally joking. <laughs> sword drills, if you're not familiar, this was like at VBS, you know, you somebody would say, John three sixteen, and the first youngster to stand up and say, for God so loved the world that he, gave, you know, gave his only son. Yeah, you know that one. Then you'd win a point or whatever and you'd win a, a, a tic-tac or a blow pop or something for the prize. The sword drills, right? Because this, friends, this is the sword. This is the Bible. It's the sword. Sword drills. I remember uh, uh, a church I was at that gave away Bibles to fourth graders because somebody decided that when they got to fourth grade they were ready for a Bible. I don't know who makes those decisions or if that's like in seminary they teach you that or what, but I missed that class. So it was fourth graders and they came up and often a passage like this was quoted, that the word of God is sharper than any double-edged sword, it's active and alive, and, uh, or thy word is a lamp unto my feet, you know that one, so uh, kids, kids' Bible uh, uh, when they turn fourth grade. Or of course then Amy Grant, right, Songs from the Loft. Thy word is, yeah, 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 you know that one. I was singing it in the, you, you were singing it this morning. And so was I. I'm driving down Randolph. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet. You know that one, right? Yeah, it's Amy Grant, Songs from the Loft. It's great. So which one were you singing? Yes. Come on, Kate. I love it. Songs from the Loft. Thank you, Amy Grant. And Vince Gill. No, that was before Vince. Sorry. Nobody heard that, did they? (laughs) Okay, so this is a conversation about, you know, the Word of God. And um, here's my hope this morning. My hope and my aim, my prayer, is that we move this conversation out of the category of two-dimensional, black and white, words on a page, And into the category of a transformative and dynamic possibility, a speech act that happened and is happening. What is the word of God? So uh, let's jump in. Uh, First, a question. What's being referenced? When the author of Hebrews says, the word of God is alive and active, it's sharper than any double-edged sword, you have to ask the question, I would propose, what? is the reference, or what is the referent? What is being referenced? When he says, the word of God is active and alive, what's he talking about? More often than not, when the passage is read, when, we, when I've studied it, the preacher or the listener assumes that this book, that I, the book that I hold in my hand is royal blue. Does anybody remember that? Liar, liar? Yeah, okay. The Bible that I hold, that this is the word of God. It's the 66 books of the Bible. But let's just apply a little bit of logic to this idea, or this understanding. When was the the book of Hebrews written? Now for those of you that don't have that ready, just, it's somewhere between, most people would say, 60 and 100 A.D., okay, 60 and 100 A.D., Now, one of the first times that we find anybody in church history talking about the 66 books of the Bible that we hold in our hands is well after 100. A guy named Origen, very loosely, one of the church fathers. Not until 367 A.D. does Athanasius give like this canon book as a list. In the 2nd and 3rd century, there was all kinds of debate about the book of Hebrews, ironically enough, the book of Esther, the book of James, as to whether or not they should be included in the 66 books that we call the canon, the holy scriptures of the Christian church. So then, if you're applying logic, it is impossible for the author of Hebrews to be referring to this book that you hold in your hands. Because it doesn't come into existence until, at, at the like let's be generous, a hundred years later. The book of Psalms says, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And everyone assumes that the psalmist is referring to the Bible. Well, the New Testament wasn't even written by that point. Hello, Joe, got a problem, my grandpa used to say. So, When the author of Hebrews says the Word of God, if it cannot be true that he's referring to the 66 books that we call the Bible, then you have to ask the question, what could it be? What is he referring to? And I want to suggest the possibility this morning that when the authors of Scripture say the Word of God, Hebrews, Psalms, and others... That they're not referring to the Bible as you hold it in your hand, but rather something else. And I want to suggest the possibility that it's when God reveals God's self. Essentially when God speaks. When God spoke and when God speaks is the word of God. God when the divine being that we've come to know as Yahweh, Father, Son, and Spirit, our Lord Jesus Christ, when that being speaks, communicates, and reveals God or God to us, when this happens, we have the Word of God. And for the author of Hebrews, this is most fully demonstrated, most fully known, most fully revealed in the person of Jesus Christ, which the scriptures refer to as the Word, John 1, the Logos, the Word of God. So for the original hearers of this letter, what would they have been referring to? What was the person talking about? I think that he was talking about when God spoke creation and it came forth. When God spoke to Adam and Eve, when God spoke to Cain and Abel, when God spoke to Noah and family, when God spoke to Moses at the burning bush, to Israel at Sinai in the wilderness, to Israel through the prophets and the law. Whenever God decided to communicate and speak and reveal, we had and have the Word of God. Now one theologian, one of my favorites, though I disagree on some points, a guy named Karl Barth, says that the Bible must become God's Word and this occurs only when God wills to address us in and through it. Let me say that again. The Bible must become, the 66 books that we hold in our hands, must become God's Word, and this occurs when God wills to speak through it. So God's Word is something that, maybe you could say it this way, God, the Word of God is not just or only the Bible, but the Bible is the Word of God insofar as, or when God chooses to speak, communicate, reveal God's self through it. If you, had, if you had to sort of put a, a hierarchy in your mind's eye, what is the word of God? It's when God speaks. It's when God has spoken. So in the Old Testament, before Jesus shows up, was there a possibility of the word of God? Absolutely. It's when God spoke through the prophets, when God spoke through creation, when God spoke and people heard it. That was the word of God. All of that led to, it points to, and it's most fully revealed in Jesus which is the word of God revealed, according to John 1, and then when God has spoken since then, through Scripture, yes, through pastors and preachers who proclaim the word of God, Jesus revealed, yes, through creation, Scripture says that God speaks, the word of God is something that includes the Scripture but is more than the Scripture, the 66 books of the Bible. Covenanters, which we are a part of, the evangelical covenant, that's why we've said all along historically the scriptures, both old and new, are the perfect rule for faith, doctrine, and conduct. Because we assume that God uses these scriptures to speak and to reveal God's self to us. And insofar as God does that, these words on these pages become the word of God. We tracking? So the word of God is something that hovers over and above these, and God When God reveals God's self through the pages of Scripture, these become the words of God. So, when the author of Hebrews says, the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword, I want to invite us to climb out of the box that it only means the Bible, and it's these 66 books, and into a dynamic and potentially transformative reality that God spoke through the law and the prophets, God spoke and revealed through Jesus, and after that as well, And God is still speaking today. See, this is the the tricky part, the, the dangerous part of saying, thus, this is the word of God. That God is done speaking or that God can only speak through these words? I don't think any of us would say that, but what do we mean when we say the word of God? So this is a conversation that actually goes quite deep and I think is pretty important for us to try to climb out of at least some of the, the pre, preconceptions or assumptions we bring when we say the word of God. I want to suggest that God is still alive and active and speaking. So what does it mean for us to hear that word? And the book of Hebrews helps us because it gives us some criteria that we can at the very least rule out when we know it's not God. So, If the author of Hebrews is referring to the occasions in which the divine being has spoken and it's not just the 66 books of the Bible, then it opens up the possibility that God is still speaking, right here, right now, today, possibly, to you and to me. Which begs the question, well, how do we know then? How do we discern what is God's voice? How do we know when God is speaking and when God is not? Because it's not just willy-nilly, right? We can't just say, well, I think that that's God and God told me to go do this. Has anybody ever had that somebody say that to them and you're kind of like, I am pretty sure that you're psycho and that wasn't God, <laughs> right? I mean, we've all kind of been there. I'm, I am pretty sure that God's telling me to marry you, sweetheart, and, you know, like, or, or vice versa, you know? And you're kind of like, no, absolutely not God, I guarantee. So how do you decide or how do you determine when it's God and when it's not? Because that's the question, right? So we turn to the book of Hebrews and we have at least some criteria by which we can say, yeah, when God speaks, it's going to do this or it's going to not be that. So let's just go through a couple of things as we sort of hone in on this. One, it's alive and active. When God's word shows up, when God speaks, it's alive and it's active. What What does that mean? I think it means that it accomplishes something. It moves, it creates, it builds. It's generative. When God speaks, things happen. Isaiah 55 says, as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so my word that goes out from my mouth will not return empty. It will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. We know it's God's word when it builds, when it generates, when it creates, when it's life-giving, when it's active, because it's alive. It's, a, it's active. We know that it's God, or, or at least when God speaks, it will divide between soul and marrow, which is such a great like, visual picture, right? When God's word goes out, it like, gets inside of your joints to the point that, I would say, it just cuts right to the heart of the matter. When God speaks, it cuts through the static, it cuts through the chaff and the chatter, and it gets right to the heart of the matter. Have you ever had one of those moments? I remember I shared this story a while ago, but Laura and I were we were talking on the phone, and she was just telling me something about uh, uh, I think it was uh, driving other kids, uh, other people's kids to to an event, and. Uh, I'm on the other, I'm on the other line, and she's like, you know, should I take this route, or should I take that, that route, and it's snowing, or should I go, or should I not, and I'm thinking to myself, I am not a meteorologist, babe, I'm a pastor, I don't know which route you should take, like, look it up on your phone, it's like, it tells you which ones are, there's traffic, and which ones there aren't, you know, like, not that hard, this is what I'm thinking in my head, not saying all of this, I'm not that dumb, (laughs) but I'm thinking all of this, Right? So maybe I am that dumb. <laughs> <laughs> and as I was reflecting on that conversation, I realized that my wife cares greatly about other people's children and the responsibility that a mom or a dad gives a person when they put their kid in your car. And that weighed heavy on her heart. And she was right in front of me, and I didn't even see her, right? I heard her, but I didn't hear her. And I, I overlooked another human being in that moment. And as I was reflecting on that the next day, we were on a date, and I, was, I just said, sweetie, I am so sorry for that. And she said, I think that's maybe how people who you work with feel sometimes. That's soul and marrow. That was the word of God for me that day. You've been there before, haven't you? That's what happens when God speaks, and you know it when you're there. We know it's God. When it's alive and active, it builds. It divides between soul and spirit. We know it because it exposes. Right? It pulls back the curtains. It takes off the masks. How many of us have been in that moment where we, we try so hard to create this person or this idea, right? The story, we, the story about ourselves that we tell ourselves and then in a moment, somebody says something, or gently, sometimes it's gentle, sometimes it's not, and the curtains get pulled back, and there you, and there you are. Not the you that you present, but you. The Word of God, when God speaks, it exposes, it turns on the lights. When God speaks, what's true is revealed. I was with uh, a friend of mine not too long ago, uh, about a year and a half ago, or a less than that, sent me to Nashville to meet with this guy who was a, a leadership coach. He was a, a, a counselor, a therapist, and this friend of mine gifted me this. So he flew, flies me down to Nashville. He puts me up in this hotel to meet with this guy who I'd never met before. So I'm walking into this thing thinking, like, who knows what's about to happen? And it was way worse than I thought it would be. <laughs> I show up, and it was like open-heart surgery for two and a half days, And so there I am, just like on the operating table. And this one moment, Jack looks at me and he says, Micah, the question is whether or not you want to continue to be the angry boy or you want to become the mature man. And there you are. That was the word of God for me that day that was God speaking to me through this person who was faithful and paying attention to what the spirit was leading him to do and God spoke to me that day and began in me a journey that I am still on about what does it mean to become a mature man and leave behind some of the wounds that I have to become something that God is calling me to be that's the word of God and it wasn't in here When God speaks, it always brings and invites life. I'm just unpacking the last half of the verse here. It always brings and invites life. It's generative. It is always pointing towards and bringing you towards and inviting you to move towards life. When God speaks, more and more and more flourishing happens. And last I would say, and this one I'm adding, but I think it is absolutely within the, the good sound interpretation, I would say it always looks like and sounds like Jesus. If the scriptures themselves refer to Jesus as the word of God revealed fully, Hebrews says it's the exact representation, then when God speaks, it will always look like Jesus. It will always sound like Jesus. It will be consistent with what we know about God revealed to us in Jesus. And so maybe you're here this morning and you've had someone say something to you that they said was the Word of God. I would encourage you to take it back to Jesus and what you know to be true about God in Jesus. And if it's not consistent, get rid of it. I would go so far as to say that was not the Word of God for you, not the Word of God speaking. It will always look like Jesus. So, friends, Hebrews chapter 4, the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It can divide between soul and spirit, joint and marrow. It exposes, and we have to give an account when it does. If it's not just the Bible, but it's something bigger than that, the idea that God, the divine, speaks, spoke, spoke in Christ, and speaks, then it's possible that God wants to and is speaking to you today. And so I want to close this morning by offering us a time of silence. I've done enough talking. Maybe. Sometimes it's true that God uses the voice of a preacher to speak. Sometimes he chooses not to because whatever they're offering is not worth using. <laughs> that, that, that was me, sometimes. So I'm going to stop and I'm going to offer us, I'm going I'm to invite us into a space where if we understand what the scripture is saying about the word of God, then we can open ourselves up to the possibility that God may have a word for us today. That God may have an image or something to encourage or give you hope or speak a word that you need to hear. So maybe just a couple of questions that I would invite you to consider as we go into this time of silence. If God were to speak to you today, if God wanted to speak to you today what in you would need to be untangled and separated what in you would need to be made sense of pulled apart untangled divided as it were cut through what in you would be invited out of darkness and into light and maybe lastly What are the seeds of life in you that would be watered and invited to come bursting into the world? So I'm going to offer a word of prayer. As I do, I'm going to invite John Mark and the crew. We'll close by singing one song at the end here. But as I pray, uh, or after I pray, I'll just leave that space, and it'll be two minutes. That's 120 seconds. It may feel like ridiculously long for some. It may feel like we just got started. It may feel really awkward. Silence has been a a part of the tradition of the church where we, if we believe that God speaks and God wants to speak, then we open ourselves up to that possibility. And so we'll do that. At least this week, but I'm thinking maybe more than we have in the past. I like this idea. So, let me offer a word of prayer, and then we'll leave you to it. God, this morning, we come together from lots of different places, for lots of different reasons, with all kinds of things swirling around. For some, despair and depression, anxiety, hurt scars, for some joy, peace, hope, grace. And God, we don't want to be people who hide. We don't want to be people who have to put on masks and tell stories about ourselves so that we might be accepted or we might be loved. We want to be people who are, whose insides match our outsides. And so God, the one who speaks, the one who pursues, the one who utters, would you do so this morning? Would you meet each of us where we are and speak? Maybe it'll come in the form of a word or a picture or just peace. That we are resting in you. So hold us, touch our hearts, speak to us. We pray. Like many in our tradition, we say, Hinani, here I am. I want to encourage you this morning to be reminded that the voice of God, the word of God, is nothing to be afraid of. I think sometimes when the lights turn on, our tendency is to want to scurry, to run. And I want to remind you that what we know about God, we see in Jesus. One who says, bring all the kids to me. One who says, He who is without sin cast the first stone. One who says, Come to me, for my yoke is easy, my burden is light. So whatever you hear, I want to encourage you to just stand in it and let God do what God would do. Invite you to whatever God is inviting you to and trust that God is good That God is a God of hope and of grace and of mercy and of love and of peace. And it's for you. So grace and peace be with you. I love you. See you next week. Find us online at www.awakenedcommunity.com Or on Facebook at www.facebook.com backslash Awakening Community Want on Twitter Awakening Community See you next time. time